Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2217. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the museum with a very special guest by the name of Jason Van Sickle. Jason, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Good. We're going to have some fun. Well, I had a great talk with your uh, colleague there, Joe, and we had a great talk about the museum and some of the things that you guys are going to be doing. Now we'll get the younger guy's version of what's going on, uh, which is pretty cool. But before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into your world, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Jason? Oh, um, yeah, that's a, that's interesting. Um, you know, one of the things I think that people are surprised, I've, I've been here at the museum for over 11 years now in some capacity. So though I may be one of the, one of the younger people here on the, on the staff, seniority-wise, I've been here one of the longest. Wow. What, did you start when you were like eight? Uh, close. <laughs> close. Uh, I was 20. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was working here when I uh, was an undergrad looking to uh to finish a history degree here locally in Indianapolis and mm-hmm. you know started a journey that still can't really believe I've I've ended up here but it's it's been a blast. Very cool. You figured out the secret sauce to life wrapping your passion into your career. So uh, a lot of people don't figure that out till they're much much older. So <laughs> bravo to you. I will give you a proper introduction and we're going to talk about what you're doing there. Jason Van Sickle is the Vice President of Curation and Education at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. He's one of the youngest in his field to hold such a position. He has been with the museum since 2011, as he mentioned, serving in numerous roles, including Assistant Curator and Curator of vehicles before his current role. Jason is leading the charge with the new exhibition creation and content development designed with visitation growth in mind. In 2022, he has overseen a record number of five new exhibitions at the museum. He's responsible for managing the care of the collection, restoration department, and educational programming. He currently serves on the board of the National Association of Automobile Museums, Indiana Landmarks, Indiana Automotive Group, and the Indianapolis Cars and Coffee Organization. We'll be back to learn a lot more, but first a word from our sponsors. So keep the seatbelts on. We're at the Speedway. We'll be right back. Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions. Plus, it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's very soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV rain and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, well, simply add their gust guards for those windy conditions for extra protection. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and specifics that have been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and your watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover, whether it's stored inside or out. And I've got a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because 
Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Jason, we're back. So, man, you get to play with a whole bunch of cars, be around a bunch of cool people. A dream come true uh, I'd like to dive a little bit deeper into your time that you've spent there so far. And then we're going to also going to talk about some of the different things that are upcoming with the museum. But first and foremost, you figured out the secret sauce to life, haven't you? Yeah, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Growing up here in Indianapolis, obviously the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the 500 is is seminal to the the state's identity and the cultural touch point of Indianapolis and Indiana. So grew up around kind of a automotive enthusiast family. Uh, my father and grandfather both were into hot rods and muscle cars and restore, restoring vehicles. So when I was very young, uh, early memories are going to car shows like Good Guys or Super Chevy or, or traveling really the uh, country, going to these shows. And it really left a lasting legacy uh, in my development and in my life to, to lead me to this point here. When you were studying history in college, did you have a plan in mind to work in museums? Was that your primary focus? You know, it, it was one. It's a very niche field, I have to admit. And there's some resources out there like the NAM board and, and things like that. But um, there's not too many automotive museums out there. So I knew I had a passion for automotive topics, history, uh, the people behind the cars, obviously the IMS and the 500 being from Indianapolis. And it was a bit of a hat in the ring type situation of, of trying to get in here at the museum. I, I, I was uh, in 2011 as a docent and a tour guide. And from there working on trying to make that lasting legacy and, and ending up where I am today. Well, it's a nice uh, progression you've had through your career. And you're a bit rare because it seems like, you know, I'm an old guy. 
And us old guys kind of grew up with the concept that you go to work for a company and you stay there for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, and my kids are young, and I always joke to say, gosh, you guys jump around. Although my kids haven't, quite honestly, maybe they maybe they learned from me, but all their friends seem to every two or three years jump into a new role, a new role and do something different. But you stuck it out there. Did you think as time went by working at the museum that there was an opportunity for you to eventually be in the role that you're in or were you just having so much fun that wasn't even a target? Well, I mean, there was a target there, but, you know, the longevity did help. There was a lot of hard work when it came to it and then right place, right time. It's kind of hard to describe. Um, the museum over the last 10 years has had a profound transformation, and uh, Joe has talked about that in the near history. But, you know, working here and, and understanding that this is where I wanted to be and wanting to tell the story of the track and the Speedway and its lasting legacy on Indianapolis, there were some days where it didn't look like that was going to, to happen, quite frankly, with the you know resources that all museums, not automotive or any uh, specific museum have resources and funding and things like that. But, you know, luckily I, I stuck it out and kind of worked concurrently in some some aspects in my early days here. And then the Delara IndyCar factory, which is located here in Speedway, Indiana, just to have another avenue and kind of expand my horizons, which helped me and introduced me to some uh to some great people along the way. It wasn't a linear path by any means, but I'm lucky that it worked out and keep that in the back of my mind every day when I uh, enter the tunnel here at 16th and Georgetown. Well, and then this captain guy shows up named Penske and shakes up the world mm -hmm. and buys the track, which is tremendous because everybody in the automotive world knows Roger Penske. They know that everything he touches is the best of the best of the best. And while I understand he can be a demanding guy to work for, he goes in and does things the best of the best of the best. So mm -hmm. I would imagine that change, which is fairly recent, has reignited a lot of people there at the museum and the track. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we're, we're a separate 501c3 public not-for-profit. So we are located inside the Oval. So we see his legacy and his impact from a interesting symbiotic relationship. And by any means, whether he was overseeing us or not, you always look at the best in the field, you know, the be these people that have made their reputation on looking at the fit and finish and, and trying to develop things to the to the 10th degree. And that does rub off on you. And I, there's a lot of um, policies and implementations that we were working on before the acquisition, and then especially after the acquisition that has improved how we do things, the fit and finish of the cars, the care of the collection, uh, little things like that, that we would think, you know, how would someone like Roger Penske, if he was overseeing the museum collection, how would he want these things done? Right. Very fortunate there. Now, I've been to the track several times. I've been to your, your cool museum. And one of the things that Joe spoke about when he was a guest a couple of weeks ago was that the museum is going to undergo a transformation. And it's one of those things where the museum has been there a long time. It's kind of been the same thing for a long time. And he's been tasked, and you no doubt are a part of that, mm -hmm. with making some changes and really bringing it up to the standards that represent what the Indianapolis 500, the cars, the legacy, the dynamics, everything involved is all about. So when you think about what you're up to today, and we'll talk a little bit later about maybe bucket list where you want to go, but I mean, how energizing this must be for someone like you to go, okay, now we get to start to make some big changes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, with Joe 
what he's brought to the organization and in, in, in including other roles here to to improve various aspects, not only the, the customer experience, but the social media, just the overall brand awareness of the museum. You look back at when this organization was started back in 1956 with, with Tony Holman and, and uh, Carl Kaiser, the first cu- uh, curator here. Um, and you think of what they did to start this organization that's now nearing 70 years and think about how you can impact that role and transition this place uh, in this organization into a entity that will survive another 70 years with modern interpretation and and quite frankly either interactive elements or storyboard elements that they did not have the opportunity to for the majority of the time we've been here. So it's exciting to do that. You really don't get a chance to uh, take on projects like this in various fields, not only museums. It is invigorating and exciting. No kidding. I've been lucky enough to interview hundreds of people that work at museums around the world. And I've not been to all the museums of which I've had guests that are involved with, but I've been to many, uh, many in Europe and here in the United States. And there's all these different layers and levels of museums. And many times you get to a museum, you anticipate one thing and the reality is something different. In some cases, it's not as grand. Other cases, it blows you away. And you just go, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I, I don't want to ever leave here. So when you think about what your guys' plans are to do with the museum, because again, it's been kind of the same for a long time. Joe mentioned having more events as a key part of it, but this is a rather big undertaking that you guys have been put in charge of. So yeah. how do you start? Where do you start? What are the first steps looking ahead in the next, well, we won't say many years, but a few years to start to make these transitions? All it takes is time and money, right? Yeah, yeah. And those are, those unfortunately are, are some things out of our control and especially with time and, and uh, the money aspect uh, with any not-for-profit public organization, that's a key, key resource, whether it's uh, bringing in staff members or just the the daily operations. So the support of our members and and donors, um, and as we look to expand those roles, uh, are key to that. But you know, I think we start with the wish list. We partner with a few organizations that that have really helped us kind of take that wish list, that bullet point item, and develop it into a true experience. And we've looked at other locations, uh, automotive and non automotive. Um, and tried to to highlight the best. Um, you know, I think the listeners can can rattle off their top five uh, experiences, uh, whether it be museums or other attractions that are automotive related, um, and try to harness those. I think the biggest the biggest aspect when I look at this, outside of care of the collection and and uh, longevity, is really taking this item, which is the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, its longevity, its history, its significance to the city and the state. And that magic that happens for, let's just say, 12 hours from when the bomb goes off at 6 a.m., uh, the day of the Indianapolis 500, the morning of, that lets all the spectators in. It, it, it announces that the gates are open. And that pulse and that that liveliness that the 500 brings, not only to the competitors, but the, the over 300,000 spectators that are here to see this event and the pageantry that leads up to the actual three-hour race itself and then the uh celebration and exuberance of of crowning a victor whether it's a new victor as we had this year with marcus erickson or if it's a multiple 
uh, winner like last year with Elio Castroneves winning four times. We try to bottle that up. And in some cases, that's lightning in a bottle. And it, it's hard to do that. But also utilize modern technology to tell these stories and tell the, the epic drama that is the Indianapolis 500 in the motor speedway. So uh, it is a daunting task, but I think we've partnered with some great organizations and partners with this to develop this and you know bring it from a 20,000 foot level all the way down to the experience that we hope uh, guests will experience once the renovations and, the, and this new museum comes to life. Well, my experience with other museums are it's a work in progress all the time, no matter where you're at. Yeah. Because you got to keep things fresh and new, but at the same time, you're going to be doing much more than that. So a lot of fun times ahead. I mm -hmm. like to talk about what I call our driving inspirations, people that have been influential or mentors in your life. Has there been someone like that? Or maybe we can mix this up a little bit. Has there been a museum you've been to that you went, wow, I'd like to do something like this? Yeah, I mean, I think with any sort of role, you know, having people in your life to assist and help out as a mentor aspect, those those are all key points. I mean, for me personally, I don't I, I am 100 percent a product of my upbringing from my father and grandfather. So I, I can't um, obviously not well known name name mm -hmm. brand people, but without their their passion and their interest, which was a hobby for them that really set my my career and my path. And I'm lucky enough to do that full time. There's other inspirations. When you work for an organization or, or try to celebrate and discuss an organization that's over 110 years old, you look at the drivers uh, that risk their life for immortality or, or in some cases uh, in defeat. You, you look at the fans that come here every day, whether it's race time or just visiting the, the museum and, and see their passion and their dedication to the place and the spectacle that the 500 is or the rev relevance to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that cannot not rub off on you and, and understand the, the gravios of the position. And then you mentioned Roger, obviously he's someone to, to look to. And as I mentioned earlier, but I'm a big Carl Fisher fan, which is uh, he was the real spearhead of building the Indianapolis Motor Speedway back in 1909. So his story though it ended in a bit of tragedy or, or not on the best footing, his legacy and what he's built, whether it's IMS or the Lincoln or Dixie Highways or his other projects, Miami Beach and Montauk Point, those are all kind of inspirations on, on someone who has kind of posthumously inspired me in a way. Is there a museum you, that you've had a chance to visit that really stood out for you that you just went, whoa, this is cool? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm lucky enough to work alongside a lot of great members of the field of the automotive museum organization. That's that's what NAM has has brought me to. You know, the Henry Ford, there's almost too many to count in a way. But, uh, you know, the Henry Ford, you look at what they do, uh, their, their newest racing exhibition and the exhibitions that they put on together. Uh, Matt Anderson up there is a great guy and, and what he does and his team does up there. The Peterson, obviously, I don't think you can talk about American Automotive Museums and not mention the work that the, the Peterson has done. We just lent a car to their Andy Warhol exhibition on loan and seeing that in person or just in photos, you know, they're, they're someone to always keep an eye on. Rev's institution down in Naples, that collection is, is phenomenal. If you look international, I've, I've been lucky to, to go to a few international museums. Brooklyn's is, is very neat. Very unique. A very great experience to check that out if you get a chance. It's similar to, 
to the speedway here where you're you're on history. Now that track hasn't been in service as a racetrack since 39, but being able to walk on the banking and, and see that the tangible elements of seeing, feeling, and, and feeling the banking and, and looking at that history tangibly um, is pretty phenomenal. So, you know, National Corvette Museum, their their new uh, exhibitions are great. And I know I'm going to be missing a few that I've been to that have left a mark on me. And then non-auto museums, too. You, you always want to look at those and try to bring influences from from other museums and see how you can develop those in an automotive lens or, or in our case, an IMS lens to, to help tell those stories is always something we're looking to do. Absolutely. We'll take a short break for our sponsors. We come back, we'll talk a little more. So keep the seatbelts on. We're at the Speedway. We'll be right back. Cars yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit partner, Tech Force Foundation, through its Veterans at Work Military Transition Campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at techforce.org today. You've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine here on Cars, yeah, for a couple of years now. Well, they're growing. And in 2023, they're going to grow from four issues a year to six. And there's an opportunity here for you to take advantage of this growth. If you go to LinkageMag.com and click on the Renew button, if you already subscribe, you can get a great deal. Use the code RENEW6 for one year and you'll get six issues for the price of four or type in RENEW12 for two years where you also have a great savings. Plus, they'll even throw in a free Linkage hat. How cool is that? The publisher of Linkage is Donald Osborne. He's been a guest multiple times here on Cars Yeah. He's become a good friend of mine and I'll tell you, Linkage Magazine is one of those newer magazines that you're going to want to get. It's all about experiences, opinions, and values. It's a wonderful publication, something I look forward to getting. And now that I'm going to be getting six a year, even more special. So go to LinkageMag.com. Again, use the code RENEW6 or RENEW12 to get that special deal. Do it before December 31st, 2022, so that in 2023, you'll get six issues of Linkage Magazine instead of four. So I like to ask about challenges because they teach us valuable lessons. Racing and challenge are two words that go together. Uh, Museums are fraught with a lot of challenges as well. Is there a challenge in your life, your career that you could share? But more importantly, share what the valuable lesson learned was. Yeah, I think biggest aspect of, of challenges, and you're right, with, with racing, usually more often than not, the driver that has a perfect race that even exists, whether it's the fastest car, the quickest pit stops, tend not to win the race. And the drivers that have an issue or say they, like in the case of Dario Franchitti in 2012, spin out early in the pit stops that at the early part of the race looks like the, the race is over and then go back to go on to win – those are those are part of the race itself uh, in racing as a whole. You know, I think my biggest my biggest challenge, honestly, was the development through my career at, at a young age, knowing that you know this is a place that uh, I wanted to be, and uh, because of typical museum challenges, whether it's resources or or funding, not really knowing if that was going to be a surefire thing. So 
in my case, it, it allowed me to kind of understand the factor of, of taking a deep breath and understanding there's things outside of your control that, you know, you wish you could be able to alter or, or manipulate in your favor. But uh, really, you just have to kind of sit back and try your hardest and let it come as it will. It's easy to try to think you can manipulate situations or, you know, work to strive and, and things will work out for you. But in most cases, for most people, that doesn't happen. So I, I know I'm fortunate in that situation. That does help in, in a modern standpoint for museums, especially our museum. Funding is a big issue. There's, you know, we, we'd like to do even more elaborate exhibitions or displays or send cars to certain places uh, to display them. But at the end of the day, it comes down to funding and it comes down to what we can do and, and how we can get the best from a beneficial standpoint of our items. So we're always striving to improve. But with that, you have to kind of work within your box and, and try to improve the box as you go through. But but you do have some outside forces that you have to uh, to understand that you're working within, but then hopefully can can fix those or improve those. As my dad used to say, that's life when you can't get yeah. everything you want. When you look ahead, and I don't want to look too far ahead because that crystal ball gets rather gray and fuzzy, but maybe the next two or three years, what are some of the big bucket list items you want to accomplish there at the museum? A lot of the, the short term, uh, if you take out the work that we're doing to renovate and modernize the, the museum experience, uh, if you take that big aspect out of the equation, I'd like to continue with uh, some of the projects that we have been working on over the last really five years in some capacity, but especially over the last three, improve the care of the collection, whether it's vehicle or non-vehicle. Each have their own challenges, and, and I think a lot of the, the listeners here understand the, uh, as they're probably mostly collectors or in some way either interested or affiliated with the automotive industry, you let vehicles sit around, no matter if they're passenger cars or, you know, advanced for their time race cars, and then you, you gain a decent amount of them. Time tends to play havoc on, on these cars, and there's there's uh, components that don't match, don't mesh well with each other. And, and over time, it, it tends to hamper the car and, and deteriorate the car in one way. So the last few years, we've updated our restoration staff to five full-time restoration techs to look over the race cars and the Indiana passenger cars that we have on the collection. Uh, we'd like to continue to upkeep those vehicles and get them running and operate them in more aspects than we do now. We run variety of vehicles race morning and through our social media uh, exploits, we have run more vehicles this year. We've run the most vehicles as we've done these assessments and try to keep the collection in top-notch shape. So I like to improve that, look at some cars that may have not run, but are very important to the mission and, and the story of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and plan some long-term semi-major restoration aspects, whether it's mechanical or appearance. Those are some things we'd like to continue. And then we have a, a treasure trove of non-vehicle artifacts that we are rehousing and trying to improve the storage condition. And, and our collection manager, Roxy Dunbar and, and Jamie Lee West, and those, those members of our non-vehicle collection staff are doing a superb job of trying to improve that. And it's really night and day from when we started that project five years ago, but there's a lot more that we can do and properly house those items and continue that. So those are the kind of the short-term, long-term plans that we have here. Yeah, all these artifacts and especially vehicles um, need constant care. They just don't sit well. 
They weren't really designed to sit. They were designed yeah. to be a race. So I understand. Worst thing you can do with a collector car is not drive it. So there you mm-hmm. go. Is there a special vehicle in your life? And if so, what was that vehicle? And maybe share a story about it. Like I said, I grew up around hot rods and muscle cars growing up. So for some reason, my family has tend to gravitate towards my grandfather had a 34 Ford, uh, still does, uh, that he restored in the 80s. So growing up that car, I think he put 300,000 miles on the car over its time going to various car shows and other events, things like that. You know, my father, he's into he's into Camaro, 69 Camaro. So that's a uh, kind of a pinpoint vehicle for our family. We have a common common interest in those. It's always interesting. He had a 69 Camaro pace car, Indianapolis 500 pace car. So growing up, that was always something and kind of looking back and seeing where I've ended up in my <laughs> short career. Yeah. It's kind of full circle in that regard. You know, I think those two uh, would be very vital. Like I mentioned earlier, they they really in one way or the other through my family members have, have led me to this position that I am today. Very cool. So I'm going to put on my psychologist hat here and ask you a unique question. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would Jason be and why? That's an interesting one. I think if I would have to put some thought into that in my interest from a museum standpoint, I really like pre-war history here at the Speedway from the early days in 1909 all the way up to pre-war. And Indianapolis had a, and Indiana as a whole, had a thriving Indiana-based automotive manufacturing industry. And so I would think I'd have to be, I'd probably be one of those in a way because of my interest in, in that field. And, you know, you look at a, like a 1932 Stutz Monte Carlo, one of the leather body cars, chop top. I mean, those are, are just fantastic looking vehicle and, and added uh, luxury and, and power at the same time. So I, I think I would, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as uh, out there and say I'd be a model J Duesenberg, but I'd probably, I, I would think I was some sort of sporty Marmon or, or Stutz or something like that. <laughs> Very good. I like it. So I want to talk about this incredible book that my friend Bill Pack uh, has created through his photography and shooting so many of the Mm -hmm. incredible vehicles. It's titled Epic Drama. And for you regular listeners, I spoke to Bill a couple weeks ago about this book. It's coming out December 8th. It'll be available at the Motor Speedway Museum and online. Can you talk a little bit about uh, were you involved in any way of helping with this or making sure Bill got the right cars or didn't jump in a car and take some laps in any of them. (laughs) I know he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It it was an interesting uh, project that we, we did where the the book is stunning. We had a few uh, pre copies arrive at the museum just a few days ago. So to see the full picture is, is amazing. I, I ran into bill probably about 2019. I forget if it was Pebble or Amelia. He usually has a booth in one of the locations there uh, at both events and and seeing his, what he can do. And, and at the time, I didn't know the full extent of photograph by light and the process that I was able to see firsthand with, with our publication. But just the final project, they were stunning. The photos really captured the minor details and, and whether it was a, the curves of vehicle or the sharp lines, because he, he photographs, I think his repertoire has a little bit of everything, not just race cars. But always, we kind of had this uh, back of our mind thought, we'd love to make a tabletop book that would highlight our our winning car collection. And, and I knew Bill uh, was the photographer that we wanted. So fast forward about four or five years, and we had the opportunity through a, through a generous donor 
to start this process of, of this book. So Bill was the first one that I showed Joe a few of his uh, books, whether it was V12 or the uh, the book that had a few of our cars, the Phoenix Art Museum catalog book for their exhibition. And then we made that connection. And uh, the process, it was accelerated, is, is the least to say. With our schedule, obviously the month of May and leading up to the month of May, it's very, very busy and drastic for us. So we had to photograph all 34 cars in, in probably a good six weeks. So it was almost a, a assembly line of vehicles coming into coming off the floor on display down into a, a studio that Bill created to block all the lighting so he could he could utilize this technique to the fullest. And over those six weeks, he photographed all the uh, all the vehicles and just seeing the 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 final process. I mean, I don't think you've seen a Indianapolis 500 winning car or even a racing book that highlights these lines in the the artwork that is race cars. I'm, I'm excited for more people to see the the photos and, and, and go through the book. It's spectacular. Yeah, Bill does some incredible work, and I'm so happy that uh, he was able to get this project. What a dream come true for everybody. Yeah. And as you listeners, uh, again, I'll put a link here on Jason's show notes page, also on uh, Joe's and on Bill's show notes page here on the Cars Hill website. But you can just go to the museum website. Uh, it'll be just available December 8th. And I've told everybody I know, you know what? I guess car people are hard to buy for. Buy a whole bunch of these, and these are your gifts that you give away because they'll be lifetime gifts for all of your car buddies, uh, no doubt. And it'll be a, a cherished gift that they'll keep forever. So marvelous project and, and kudos to you and the team there for helping Bill out and making this all possible. I know it was a very tight schedule. So I like to enable my guests to go on what I call the ultimate drive. I'm going to mix yours up a little bit here. I'm going to provide you with any car that's in your museum. You can jump in it and take some laps out there on this the racetrack. So if you got had to pick one of your favorite rides, there in the museum, and I could enable you to go out and do some laps in that vehicle. Which car would it be? Yeah, we. I mean, we have we have over 150 cars in the collection, and, and most of them are Indy cars. Yeah. But we do have some some pretty phenomenal passenger cars, Indiana built passenger cars. Uh, some non Indy cars. We have the last Ferrari to went out right at Le Mans, the 250 LM driven by Maston Greger and Yakin Rent. We have a Mercedes W196. What I would consider modern 1990s uh, Formula One cars to help tell that story. So, uh, by by no means that's a that's not an easy task to select one. You know, it may be a little avant garde in a way, but as as I mentioned, I'm I'm a very big fan of Carl Fisher, uh, who built the track in 1909, and we have uh, early race car. Uh, it's a 1905 Premier, and Premier was built here in Indianapolis. It was Indiana. Indianapolis-based uh, production company, and uh, he commissioned a, a race car, or what you would call a race car in today's sense, from Premier for the Vanderbilt Cup. What he wanted to do was qualify through the Vanderbilt Cup for the Gordon Bennett Cup, and Fisher uh, and George Widely, the head of Premier, built this, what's best considered a monstrosity. It, it has no bodywork. It's a 923 cubic inch uh, hemispherical overhead cam air-cooled four-cylinder. So the the bore of the pistons are about as big as a Folgers, an old Folgers yeah. coffee cup. And it's just a massive piece of machine, and it weighed too much. They had a max weight to try to keep the displacement down on these early race cars. So they had to drill over 250 holes, and, and those holes range from very minor holes on like the pedals 
but even in the frame rails, there's there's about quarter size holes throughout this uh, throughout this car. Any place that wasn't structural that could take the weight off to try to try to lighten it. And uh, unfortunately, it was still too heavy after that. Fisher ran it at our our local state fair dirt track, mile dirt track, average fifty seven miles an hour in the car. But you know, I I think uh, total loss oiling system. So it's it's loud. It's it's brash. It's pretty fast for what it is. He averaged 57 miles an hour on the dirt at night. And that total loss oiling system would, would just cake you in the in the riding mechanic as in, in oil. That would be the one if I could uh if I could drive it some laps around the track just to experience that beast of a car. You know, its history of eventually through that, Fisher would start to develop this idea of a of a test track outside of Indianapolis and then this led to the Dixie and Lincoln Highway, first paved transcontinental and north to south highways. So it's not the fastest. It's probably not the most aesthetically pleasing car that we have in the collection. We definitely have some other other cars that fit those builds, but that would be the one that I would love if it if it could run safely. Uh, that would be the one I'd love to to pilot. That's got to be the craziest answer to that question I've ever I've ever gotten an answer to. I mean, wow. Uh, that's quite interesting. Yeah, that I'm, I'm, that's a very unique vehicle, very difficult vehicle to drive, no doubt. But I think for you being yeah. a historian, it's the history, and that's what it's all about. So I get mm-hmm. it. Well, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today, Jason, and uh, this has been fun. So nice to meet somebody that is working in and around the field that he's passionate about. Very fortunate guy that you are. Before I let you go, could you share some words of inspiration or wisdom with our listeners? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think, I don't know if I'm the, the best one for... Uh, words of wisdom as I'm still trying to, to put along this and, and uh, map out my career. But I think the the biggest thing is if, if there is a passion, if there is a dedication that you have, whether it's to a certain make or a certain idea or topic or your work or a skill set, you know, follow that. It's not as easy. It's not an A to B path. There's a lot of trial and tribulations uh, between that. But that interest and that passion is going to provide you with joy and and provide you with a, a self-fulfilling nature that uh, a lot of people tend not to have or find out later in their life and, and things like that, especially with the automotive community. I think it, it's easy to to get tight-lipped and, and there's a lot of combativeness in the, in the automotive industry between makes and brands and things like that. But at the end of the day, people find that passion and interest in, in these vehicles and that's the biggest thing to share and, and make those connections and enjoy the ride, enjoy the drive and go from there. How do people learn more about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum? Yeah, uh, so we, you can check out our social media channels at, at IMS Museum uh, on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're providing content uh, throughout those. Our website is imsmuseum.org. Uh, and you can check out our our, our newest exhibitions, uh, such as Second uh, that we opened uh, this past week, and it will be open through the uh, through the winter time and the spring time. Uh, we also have an exhibition titled Sleek: The Art of the Helmet that's open through January uh, of of 2023. Besides checking out our socials, 
check out some of the newest uh, items that we have in the museum and look forward to having you. Absolutely. You've got to get there if you've not experienced it. And you got to go to the races as well. It is incredible. A uh, wonderful thing. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Bill Pack, of course, our photographer. We talked about his book today. Uh, Joe Hale, who's been on the guests here, one of your colleagues. And of course, Kara, who's helped connect us all during these wonderful discussions. I appreciate all of you. Jason, uh, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing your world with our listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!